0: In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Do you remember your first words? Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Maybe your parents told you what your first words were. Maybe your parents debated between you. No, it was dad. No, it was mom. But maybe it was really ball. Who knows? But how did you come to learn these words? Did you just miraculously wake up someday and say, hey, I know the word mom. I know the word dad. I know the word sanctification. <laughs> no, you didn't. These words were spoken to you by your parents. I'm going to turn off my PA system here because I'm getting a little feedback. It's me, not the system. All right. Yeah. So this is all about your parents placing into your mouth your words. You don't just come up with the idea of thank you. Hello. Good morning. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. These words are spoken to you first by your parents and placed into your mouth to speak back to them. This is a very important thing that I think we often overlook. And yet, this is exactly what prayer is for us. You may not really think about the wedding at Cana as a story given to us of Jesus' life and ministry in terms of prayer, but it's really there. Mary simply says a prayer to Jesus, they have no more wine. You might say that this was a Lutheran wedding and it was a big problem. But nonetheless, she doesn't look at Jesus and say, Oh, most merciful Jesus, Son of God, they have no more wine. She simply requests Jesus' attention. And you'll notice what Jesus says to her. Woman. Now, that's not a slander against her. This is the time where Jesus' ministry has begun. And she is no longer simply called mom or mother. She is now a receiver of of his grace and his kingdom. He says the same thing to her from the cross. Behold your son, mother, and behold your mother and your brothers as he gives them off as the family of God in the church. But where are we at in terms of prayer? Where are we at in terms of our day-to-day prayer life? We heard from Romans 12 today, be in constant prayer. 1 Thessalonians five seventeen. you probably know this really well, Pray without ceasing, pray constantly. But how many of you are doing that? How many of you are praying when you're asleep at night? How many of you are praying when you go under for surgery or for a medical procedure? How many of you are only praying when you want things to go your way? When your rear end is really in a jam, you're in a pickle, and you don't know what to do? How many of you are simply praying that you got from point A to point B in your car going 65 miles an hour, and you didn't hit anybody, the car didn't catch on fire, and you walk out of that car safe and sound? How many of us say, thank you, Lord, for the gift of transportation? How many of you pray when your plane lands? Thank you, Lord, for letting me sit in a chair in the sky going 600 miles an hour and for safely landing on the other side of the country. We take this for granted. To pray without ceasing to be in constant prayer is to pray to God about everything. Well, what do we pray, pastor? We don't know. Or why do we pray? During the Civil War, there was a war or a battle called Pickett's Charge. And this was an area where there was a Confederate sniper and the Union soldiers went up with a full percussion bombardment against this sniper. And as the Union army won, there was 7800 people who died in this service or this battle. As the Union army took over this area, there is a very well-known story of a sheet that is found with a Confederate soldier. This folded uh, paper was found on this Confederate soldier at a place called Devil's Den. We don't know this guy's name, but he had written down prayers. Prayers in the midst of the battle. Prayers to ask God and to find an answer. And this is what he said. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak, that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health, that I might do great things. I was given infirmity, that I might do better things. I asked for riches, that I might be happy. I was given poverty, poverty that I might be wise. I asked for prayer, power, that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness, that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I, among all men, most richly blessed. This guy's prayers, according to our standards today, failed. How many of us are simply saying to God, "Help, get me out of this." It doesn't seem to stop. Another shoe has dropped. Another chaotic moment is beyond but before us. And you'll notice what this dead Confederate soldier said in the midst of his dying corpus in the field. God gives the complete opposite to what He was asking for. Even though he prayed, he did not fail. But this flies in the face of how so many modern American Christians view prayer today. If you just ask God sincerely, if you just have enough faith, if we can just get you in a pep rally to sing your praises and lift up your prayers with sincere hearts, God will bless you, he will look upon you, and he will grant you that new Ferrari or that wallet full of money from the great money tree that appears outside of your house. He will show you a better marriage, a better financial life. He will show you healing in the midst of terrible sickness. But the reality is there's no guarantee with that. Luther says it very well. And I'd love to put this on another t-shirt or a coffee mug. Or plaster it on our wall outside here in the hallway. Pray and let God worry about it. That is the true gift of prayer for you and for me. Lord Jesus, I can't handle it. Not Lord Jesus, give me what I want. You'll notice that today in our Old Testament reading from Exodus chapter 33. Prior to this reading today, the Lord God looks down upon his people of Israel and he says, I'm disgusted with these people. I'm going to wipe them out. I have no use for them. They are of no use to me in any way, shape or form. And I am sick and tired of what they are doing. That's Pastor Schaff's paraphrase, but it's pretty accurate. And you'll notice what Moses says back to God. He doesn't sit there and simply say, oh, no, Lord, please, please don't do this. Please don't do this. You'll notice that Moses speaks back to God what God first told him. He speaks back to God what God has first said. See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know who will send me. Yet you have said, I know you by name and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Oh, and by the way, Lord, consider too that this nation is your people. Remember that? Remember what you said? He is speaking back to God what God had first said to him. And it's not as if God sits there and says, well, la-dee-da, I didn't remember saying that. That's what we say to our kids when we don't want to do what they ask us to do, when they hold us to our word. You said you'd do this. I don't remember. I don't have time. I'm tired. Whatever else it is. This is how Moses prays. He prays boldly to the Father. And notice how God responds. I said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And notice how Moses responds. If your presence will not go with me, don't bring us up from here. If you don't mean what you say, don't do this. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord responds, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Great, wonderful prayer life, speaking back to God, what God has first spoken. Then you will notice that Moses gets a little selfish. Rather than praying on behalf of the people, he looks at God and says, Oh, by the way, please show me your glory. Please show it to me. I'm one of your favorite people. I'm the leader of your people. Please do this. And you'll notice what God says. He doesn't answer Moses' prayer according to his will. He says, hey, I will be gracious who I want to be gracious to. I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy, but you cannot see my face because if you do, it will wipe you out from the face of the earth. You will die. You will be imperfect looking upon the perfect. But he doesn't just simply say, no. He simply says, I will show you my glory according to my way, according to my will and not your will. You know the story well. He puts Moses in the side of the rock. As he walks by, he puts his hand over his face so that he can't see him, and Moses gets to see the backside of God. What does this have to do today with us, Pastor? What does this have to do with us at all? Well, being a Lutheran in the 21st century is really hard, especially Lutherans who follow the order of service in the book. The liturgy, the way grandpa and grandma used to do it. We often think this liturgy is coming from pasty white dead Europeans who spoke German and taught us these ways of these services, but that's not true. These services that we follow today are very ancient. They go back to the first and second century they hail to us from the early church in Africa of all places. You can go back and read the liturgy of Augustine or St. John Chrysostom, and you will find the exact same pattern that we use today. Why? Take a look at your bulletin. But notice I'm not going to tell you where. Take a look at your bulletin and you will see every little word that we sing has its basis in scripture. We are singing and speaking back to God what he has first spoken to us. This isn't a matter of style and preference and the way things are. Other people might do it different ways and that's fine. We're not looking at them as different Christians. But we also don't take for granted coming into this place saying to God, we're going to do things the way that we like to do it. And, hey, God, look at us and look at how we're acting. Roo, roo, rah, rah, cheer, cheer, all these other things. We are simply speaking back to the creator of heaven and earth, the one who has said to you that you would exist. You're speaking back to him what he has first spoken to you but I don't like it. I didn't like saying thank you and please to my parents. But nonetheless, that's what we've been taught. All of the liturgy is breathed out by God. Our hymns are based on the word of God, if not singing the word directly. And we are simply speaking back to God, what God has given to us in the scriptures. The scriptures are not simply meant to be read they are meant to be spoken out loud and even sung, sung back to God. God places our worship and our liturgy into our mouths. We don't create these things. And if anybody knows me when it comes to these things, I'm not very creative in the first place. If the wheel isn't broke, I ain't gonna fix it. But in the same way, we are guaranteed that we will be fed and comforted. How? Why? Because no man may look upon God and live. You might remember when Jesus talks to his disciples that he says, hey, who do men say that I am? And he says, some say, well, some say that you're a prophet, some say you're John the Baptist, some say that you're Elijah. And he says to them, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter says to him, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says to Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock, I shall build my church. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, our Lord. This place is the cleft. This place is the rock by which Jesus hides us in the midst of all of the prayers and questions of the world and he places his hand over us not so that we would be blind but that we would still have a glimpse of him in the future that is ours through his death and his resurrection. Here is where we hear the scriptures read and sung. Here is when we behold Jesus face to face hiding himself under bread and wine, but by the power of God's holy word, he brings his body and blood to us. That's what's going on at the wedding at Cana. Mary prays to Jesus. They have no wine. Jesus says, this is not my time. She simply turns around and says, do whatever he says to you. And he does. This is his first miracle, showing us, that he has come for you, his bride, which is his church. And he has not come to give you a cup of sorrow and a cup of woe, but the cup of joy and gladness that overflows for you in the forgiveness of sins. That is what he's given to you and to me. But in the meantime, we struggle, we suffer, we have sorrow, we have questions, We have loss. Pray and let God worry. Pray and let God worry about it. Pray back to God the words he has first spoken to you. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. You're going to sing it just in a few short moments because I'm almost done. (laughs) Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I can't do this Lord, it's too much, you take it, you worry about it. And just like that Confederate soldier, you may find at times that the answer is not what you're looking for, but he's not like a father telling his kids he doesn't want them to have any more cookies. You tell that to the child because you don't want them to spoil their meal. Not because you don't like them to have cookies, And in the same sense, he answers our prayer according to his good and gracious will. Not your will, not my will, thy will be done. And that prayer is answered for you today. You will notice in a few moments that we will pray the Lord's Prayer in the context of the Lord's Supper. Why? Because we've always done it that way. No, because in the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Prayer is answered. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread so that we can have our sins forgiven and we can forgive each other. Do not lead us into temptation, but strengthen our faith and deliver us from the evil one. And we say, Amen, yes, let it be so. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. God teaches you how to speak. Let us pray by the power of the Holy Spirit and by his word, knowing that in the end, with all things that you face, Jesus will take it. Jesus will help. We pray and let God worry about it. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.